0: opened up like an intelligence or like a research department in Toronto and you had Canadian VCs backing you. Um, Why split efforts between the two ecosystems when you're so small?
1: Yeah, so we opened up and basically had all of our product out of Toronto. And I think the reason why that was is um, Toronto just has such a a thriving, big ecosystem of amazing, talented engineers. And I think at the time, and this is changing in the Toronto ecosystem, but speaking bluntly, I think there was the ability to tie into some American talent um, around marketing, sales, um, and some of the, the, the kind of um, non-product related job roles, I think that's really changed. I think you've seen so many successes in our ecosystem. Um, and so that's why with uh, with Automate, it's fully loaded out uh, in, in Toronto. And I also cool. think that might have been a downfall of YC because we all moved down for YC and then we started building. And the last thing you want to do is kind of move when you're really starting out. So I think that was also a bit of a, of a, a downfall where we were already there. So it was hard to just move everyone because life started to develop and employees were married or, you know, had families. So it was tough.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I Imagine switching between the two cities is not easy. And then Ross seemed to be in a great trajectory. And then there's a well-documented case where Thomson Reuters basically came and basically sued you. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. So, I feel so, like my life is like Silicon Valley, the TV show, sometimes. So it's fun to like have like an army of lawyers in theory, but it's also um, you know it's it's it's. Um, so um, what I can say about all that is that um, the law um, and the data um, uh, and cases cases et cetera, are t- tied behind paywalls. Uh, and we were kind of challenging a lot of the status quo when it came to making it easy and affordable for people to do legal research. And so we actually brought an antitrust claim against uh, against uh, Thomson Reuters. And our hope with that is to actually free the law so that uh, it doesn't exist behind paywall. So uh, that actually is I like... The, the what I realized is I'm obsessed with data um, and like with Automate and, you know, you you, you know our story and I'm glad I, I can't wait to tell everyone. Um, a lot of it also came from where's our health data? How can it be easy to use it? So I, I guess I'm also a sucker for pain.
0: Yeah. So let's let's go to Automate. So for people that don't know what Automate is, explain what Automate is. So
1: Automate is a, a company that builds developer tools to make launching in digital health easy. Um, that's kind of the elevator pitch, that's the YC, that's the that's the bang, there it is. But I think more importantly for everyone, I, I kind of want to just give a little bit of background. Automate Medical started trying to essentially almost solve the big, beautiful problem in health, um, which is building out an algor- what we called an algorithmic medical platform, which would be that perfect union between um, tech and human expertise. And I was inspired with my co-founders, Josh and Tom, to build this, for a bunch of different reasons. So my co-founder, Josh, who's our CTO, um, did a lot of uh, work in the quantified self space early on. So before kind of Apple Watches and a whole bunch of folks got out there, he was looking at how do you kind of use the data that you can produce on wearables and eventually implantables. He did some really cool stuff in that space. And my co-founder, Tom, um, was also a lawyer before. He was employee number one at Ross, but had experience at kind of the regulatory um, intersection of med tech, et cetera. So and the big thing for me was I had actually married a doctor. So my wife uh, is an ICU pulmonologist um, and I would watch her work. A lot of when the work from home revolution just had an entrepreneur staring at what she was doing. And I just couldn't believe that a lot of what was happening was looking at static PDFs on on a screen and determining whether people looking at numbers, typing those numbers into a calculator, which was nuts, and then determining whether that person might be a good candidate for something as serious as a lung transplant. Um, and so our original idea was uh, building out a platform that allowed tests to essentially automatically uh, be interpreted, auto-generate a node and make that easy. Um, but the best laid plans, you know, as they say. So once we started digging in, we actually realized we might have been on something much bigger, which was creating the uh, the rails for the tech platforms of the future and helping other entrepreneurs in the space launch what they're doing much quicker. So we heard from uh, earlier, just the dialogue story and just that tremendous explosive growth, you know, to have 27 recruiters all of a sudden is crazy, but that's what we're seeing in health. And so what automate medical is doing is providing those picks for everyone who's going out there and building in, in digital health. And we're making things really easy. So you can launch with some of our code. Um, immediately, rather than it taking you hours, days, weeks, months to actually build out infrastructure, and startups are instead of them building that same infrastructure over and over again, um, we're we're doing that heavy lifting for them.
0: So I, I love the story behind um, Automate, but I have to ask a question: Like you, you went from one industry that had is considered tech laggard, illegal. You know, yeah. legal, to another one that's a tech laggard but has a lot of regulation. So, what what attracted these? Why these? Why these industries? Is it the data? Is that what it is?
1: Yeah, I think it is. Also, maybe I'm like a sadist. I don't know, but I think the actual answer to that uh, is by doing something really tough and taking on legal. I I started to notice, along with my co-founders, that there was this tremendous opportunity in health. And there's three things that are happening. One. You see this move towards APIs in health that what um, uh, wasn't the case even five years ago. So you're seeing a lot more um, startups in the space, but also incumbents going towards kind of building with APIs so you can plug and play with a lot of different people's uh, infrastructure really rapidly. Um, also, we had this huge shift and it was certainly exacerbated and, and kind of tons of Uh, of gas was put on that fire by COVID, but this huge push into telemedicine. And now at this point, you know, Sharif mentioned that 10% of Canadians are on dialogue and in the States, basically almost everyone interacted with one form of telemedicine at at, at some point over the last year and they like it. And it's not going anywhere. And so that was already happening. And the last thing that happened and it's happening in the States and and it's coming up to Canada, are there new regulations That are essentially dictating that all patients have to have access to their health data, not as a fax, not as an old school CD-ROM, but as an API. And so, with these three things happening, um, myself, Tom, and Josh were like, "I think this is the time to do it." So, what I would say is, Alex, I might look on the surface as a sucker for pain, but I think uh, (laughs) it allowed the, the the experience in legal allowed me to spot that rising tide in health. And I, I it's been amazing. Like Automate has been getting a bunch of traction and we're working with a lot of great people in terms of um, sketching out some of the stuff that uh, is coming on the horizon.
0: Okay, as, as you talk about those changes, uh, there was a question posted by, I think, uh, Jim MedTech. Is so it true to assume that data privacy is one of the most important aspects? So talk a bit about privacy and how, how you handle it.
1: Yeah. um, One of the really amazing things is just this rise of ease, like I mentioned, with the rise of APIs. So not only do you have mainstream companies like uh, Amazon being able to help you with HIPAA compliance really rapidly, there's also a bunch of different particular startups that also help make that much easier than you having to do everything in-house. We're also lucky because we kind of brought together a really great team here uh, at Automate. So Josh, uh, who I think folks saw earlier uh, talking to Jason, um, his background was at Universe. So he came from the world of, you know, event ticketing and, you know, they got acquired by Ticketmaster Live Nation. So data security, he was so deep into that fintech side of the ball that in some ways it would almost overprepared him um, for compliance in the space. So what I would say is it's certainly a a very important part. But I think in the past, it might have scared people off from building in the space where there's a lot of things that you could build with now that kind of take the the. Um, st- that, that, uh, that kind of scariness around that, um, especially as a small stage startup, you can c- kind of tie into bigger plays from bigger providers.
0: So I love how you talked about one big difference between Ross and automate is what industry is impetus for change or the ability to get changed. What else have you done different? I, I think I can ask you what I've seen differently, but I'd love to see what other in founding the company and your co-founders and just your approach, what else have you learned from the first one that you're trying to do different now with automate?
1: Oh, I mean, to be honest, Alex, it's, it's, it's almost everything. I think there's different buckets, okay? So there's yeah. the bucket of how, as a founder, to have a better balanced life. I think first-time founder, um, you get into this pattern where the next two weeks you're saying, oh, I just have to not sleep that much and just drink t- more coffee because in two weeks we're going to have that breakthrough. You start to really take on more of a marathon approach as a second-time founder. That's been super helpful, um, and and there's a lot of stuff on the personal side of the ball, and then on the on the uh, just the experience in approaching people, um, really knowing how to have really good uh, productive early user or prospective user interviews is a skill that you only develop after you know at this point with Ross, I've probably had thousands of conversations with. Uh, Users before they became users users who were users, some users who churned the what made users renew so a lot of that has been coming to bear and um, it's it's been um, it's like in some ways I feel you know there's always those old kind of those old kind of things on the internet where people say if you could go back to when you were 18 all over again but keep your knowledge, would you do it or would you take X amount of dollars instead <laughs> And uh, I feel like in some ways I got a chance to go back to when I was younger but with all my uh, knowledge. Um, so it's been invigorating, and I couldn't ask for a better team. I think the same goes with Josh and Tom. their season, seasoned. They've done things before, and they're just really amazing to work with. So I, I, I feel like things are going really well, and um, I'm, I'm benefiting a lot from that, uh, the hard knocks. You still get the hard knocks as a second-time founder, yeah. um, but it's a, it's a bit of a, a – comp- actually, it's not just a bit. It's a completely different experience.
0: And right now, what would you say is the 10-year vision for Automate Medical?
1: So Automated Medical is building out these tools because we believe that we are going to enable that same platform that we wanted to build out from the beginning. But what we're seeing is that we're going to essentially be able to provide the tooling and infrastructure for startups and large enterprises to build towards that reality. Um, we think that in the future, the idea that we'd be able to have wearables, implantables, um, kind of uh, interface with uh, hospital data and have you not necessarily, the idea of going for an annual checkup, I think is gonna go the way of the dodo. Um, And what we're instead anticipating is a bunch of of in-home devices connected to your providers, the rise of virtual care, specialization. I mean, in Canada right now, 50% 50% of Canadians can't schedule same-day or next-day visits to a primary doctor. One in three Canadians have to wait about six or seven days to meet a family physician, and two in three Canadians, um, the only option for them in terms of immediate care is oftentimes an emergency room visit. So. Um, there, you're going to see this rise in virtual care, and you're going to see a rise in the need for the digital infrastructure to support that. And it's true south of the border, uh, especially with the way that uh, medicine is, is delivered in the United States, which is such a different reality. But you're going to see that same thing. People who are born on the internet, which you're seeing more and more generations happen, want to do everything in an easy yeah. way. And instead of virtual startups uh, in health and digital health, building that same stuff over and over again, Automate Medical is going to power that health stack of the future. So that's kind of where we see ourselves in 10 years. So,
0: so you're the infrastructure for health tech.
1: That's right. We say, we, we like to say very quickly, we're kind of like GitLab for, for health um, and kind of uh, enabling a lot of the things that um, amazing entrepreneurs are building. It's so, inv- it, it nothing gets me more excited than you heard um, earlier from Sharif, like, hey, you know what he his vision is. Um, in some ways, what we're building at Automate Medical is enabling all the visions of such amazing entrepreneurs in this space. Um, and that is really exciting.
0: Awesome. I, I look forward to sitting down in 10 years and, and talking about how it all transpired. Um, now I want to put you up for a two minute uh, lightning round. Quick questions. Uh, can we get some time on the clock, Leah? Okay, here we go. Um, the first few I'm going to ask, Toronto versus San Francisco. Which has better lifestyle?
1: Uh, depends the season. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, food? Which has better food?
1: Uh, Toronto.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't expect that. Uh, yeah, my, mom's,
1: for- my mom's cooking's in Toronto, so I have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, better for fundraising? Yeah. Uh, uh, still the United States, still, still SF, but I think, um, people are learning. And also I'm launching a small fund myself up in Canada that, uh, that I'll be announcing
0: soon. So hopefully I can help with that. Cool. Um, which is better for building a team? Talent, I guess. Talent. Uh,
1: uh, Toronto has better talent.
0: Cool. Uh, tips for get one tip for getting into YC.
1: Um, uh, think twice, you know, spend three hours to then be able to explain something in five words. Um, don't get to the point and uh, be confident, and really explain how this can be huge, and not just to say it, but because you believe in it.
0: Cool. Uh, one health hack.
1: Health hack. Um, get in as much, uh, even you know, get in whatever you can where you can. So if you want to, you know, if you're traveling, bring something with you, and even five minutes of physical activity will uh, allow you to kind of stay in better shape. Um, so that that'll be that would be my health hack.
0: Running or biking.
1: That's a tough one. Uh, depends the season right now I'm getting back into my running, but uh, I'm a big cyclist too.
0: Okay uh, favorite startup book.
1: Um, I would say uh, crossing the chasm um, uh, kind of cliche, but I mean I love it and I think it sets people up for a realistic view and how tough it is and also staying focused on the users that are going to help you cross the chasm because sometimes not all users are the same early on and you can make a lot of mistakes in working to optimize with
0: the wrong users. Cool. And last question, what startup would you like to see someone create?
1: So I had this idea recently. um, I would say... Now that everyone's kind of fallen out of touch during COVID, it was very hard for, you know, to keep touch. I'm thinking of a startup that builds out something that syncs with Google Calendar, Zoom, et cetera, that just gets meetings with certain people on your calendar automatically. And you can reschedule them if you want, but it kind of happens automatically and you can kind of prioritize it by like one to 10 family members, business people, et cetera, so that you can kind of keep in touch.
0: Actually, I actually, I am tempted to say I'd use it then I'd probably just reschedule everything. But, um, I like the idea. Uh, we'll have a big uptick in downloads, and then after
1: that, we'd have to optimize.
0: <laughs> well, it depends who you get to download. You just don't target people like me. Target people who are normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Andrew, uh, I, I have like another 20 questions I to ask you because I, I think you have a lot of advice to give the community. Um, so maybe we'll have to have you on again later. But thank you so much for taking the time, and I look forward to helping you announce your uh, new fund.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to that, too. And if anyone wants to keep in touch with us, we're at Automate Medical on Twitter, and I'm at Andrew Root on, on Twitter. So and I like you that. Automate social.
0: crucial. You, you tweet quite a bit.
1: Yeah, almost too much, I think, right? It's all stream of consciousness. So some of it's good, but some of it's not. But you get what you get, you know? It's free.
0: <laughs> not for long.
1: With Twitter Blue, you know, they're going to start charging me. I don't think anyone's paid. Twitter paid. Blue. No. <laughs> has, has anyone paid for Twitter Blue? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not uh, yet, yeah, but I have so some fire tweets. T- I have some fire dad jokes that I think I hope are worth at least a penny. <laughs> yeah, amazing. You're just hanging on to those. Hey man, yeah, if it's a penny those- per, it's a penny per read, you can get a big audience there. I heard this great story of someone who was talking to a cab driver in New York. It was a tweet, and the cab driver looked at him and said he was that he moved to New York because he said, if I could get just a penny from everyone in New York, I'd become a millionaire. And it's kind of like a, a – or a dollar, rather. Yeah. And um, it stuck with me. So there's there's kind
0: of something also inspirational. Yeah. It, I also see that in a lot of pitches. But, you know, we're going to make a dollar from everyone in China.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I the, called the, that – yeah, way. I
0: call it – Yeah. I call that like the bicycle problem
1: where it's like, if everyone with a bicycle buys our, our, our tool, then, you know, we're all
0: wealthy, but yeah. Amazing.
1: Well, automate bicycles. Thanks, Andrew.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That was awesome, Alex. Thanks so much, man. Now for leading us through that one. My pleasure.